The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning and welcome to the program. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, this morning we have a program that I think as you as you see it unfold, you've got to, you're going to figure out that we kind of have an agenda that we would like to educate and, and give us some insight. And we're going to start right off with Jamie Fish, who is the Minister of Biblical Counseling from Bellevue Baptist Church. And it's all about the stress of what's going on with COVID and the market and just how to help us begin to understand our emotions. And he's got a lot of things to share with us and some great great advice. And then Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson are here. We're talking about fundamentals of investing and managing your investment managers, a great way of looking at things and driving into some very, very important facts. So you do not want to miss the rest of this program. But first and foremost, my dear friend, Jamie Fish, he is the Minister of Biblical Counseling at Bellevue Baptist Church. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. You know, Jamie, you and I have talked multiple times in the last 18 months, 19, 24 months, actually, and the reality being that this COVID thing, this pandemic, has just continued to hang around and produce stress and anxiety. So my question to you, how do I know if I'm processing my emotions in a healthy way? That, to me, I don't, man, that's, that is a very, very strong question. I'm interested in what you're going to tell us. Well, I, Jim, you know, I think all of us have been touched by this in some way or another. Um, and because of that, we're kind of frazzled. I, I think a lot of it has de- depends on what your media outlet is that you're exposed to. And we've been presented with a whole bunch of things that are, are cl- truth claims. Um, and then it seems to shift. And uh, that just, I think, adds to the uncertainty, and it certainly has created a lot of uh, conflict between people as they present certain opinions. But I think, you know, knowing that um, we have an anchor, something to hold on to that's that's steady. I know you're going to talk about the markets here real soon, um, and we want to be wise, but there's some things that we don't have any control over. So, you know, making sure that we're centering ourselves. Uh, and holding on to the anchor that keeps us steady, um, I think that that's the greatest thing that we can do is, you know, draw near to our source of strength, God, and and find hope from Him because He doesn't change. Well, that is that is that is exactly. And I guess I'm thinking of a verse that has meant so much to me. And you know, the reality is we just have to think about it. But it's from Joshua one eight. It says, "The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall we shall meditate on it every day, day and night, that we'll be careful to do all that's according and written in it, that we can what." make our way prosperous and make our way successful. But the reality is we have a tendency to think that prosperity and that success is tied to the market, when in reality it's tied to our walk with him. That's really what you're saying. Yeah. 
And okay. we have uh, every day we have an opportunity to kind of tie ourselves to the the, the true truth and uh, find stability in that. Do you find, Jamie, at this point when you're counseling people, and I look at Joshua 1.8, of course Joshua 1.9 says he never leaves us nor forsakes us, but do you find that people today are struggling more with that process, or are they coming, I guess what I'm trying to say, are they pushing away from the Lord, or are they coming closer to the Lord in your counseling? Well, you know, obviously we're trying to help people get closer, and so we're encouraging that. I think that uh, people are learning how to do that for the first time, and some um, haven't totally figured that out. But, you know, um, most families uh, are uh, probably like mine to some degree or another. And when I was uh, raising my children, you know, I'd get up in the morning, meet them in the kitchen. I'd find several sets of beady eyes looking to me for for direction and leadership. And I, I knew I had to do something to get myself ready for that. So just spending time alone and and um, learning how to do that, learning how to to read God's word and apply things into my own life and and uh, gain peace from that and listen to Him and that, that prepared me to you know kind of lead them and speak to them. But the um, I, I think uh, many people uh, that we see, um, you know, I do biblical counseling and often people don't even bring a Bible. Mm. Um, which is not a problem, I have plenty, but um, they're not used to it. They, uh, You know, we've been a blessed country, and I think, you know, to the point that we're spoiled, and we've not had to lean on God. I think every day God gives us a chance to say uh, yes or no to the question, do you trust me? Hmm. And so we're trying to help people to learn how to do that, and, and I think that there are people that know how to do that, but the people that come and see us, they need encouragement and help in learning how to do that. You know, we've been talking to a lot of people recently about just the, the meditating on the Word, which was what uh, the Lord was saying to Joshua earlier, meditating. We talked about Scripture memory and something that maybe we did years ago, but we've talked about getting back to that. Have you seen people who are moving in that direction? Or are you, as you say, maybe we're just still struggling with what we're doing? How do they process some of these feelings that they're having right now? I mean, oh, that can be a, such a hard thing to do. Yeah, I think... You know, the thoughts that we have are so influenced, again, by the little device that is in our pocket and all the things that get thrown at us through text or tweets or whatever. Um, and so, again, you know, and I agree with you, and this part of what we encourage people to do is to take time to meditate on the Word. You know, Jim, years ago I got exposed to a guy by the name of Frank Meyer, um, part of the Minerith Meyer Clinic, and he talked about... Um, uh, back in the late 90s, that we know more about the brain than we've ever learned about it. And and he talked about a double-blind study where people were given a medicine and some were given a placebo, and then there was a third group that were given a placebo, but they were encouraged to memorize Scripture. And in the study, the heat resonation of the brain, they found out that when these people were meditating and studying and memorizing Scripture, there were parts of the brain that were awakened that didn't didn't show activity previously. Wow. And so I walked away from that very excited as well. I just think that there's a supernatural thing that God does uh, in our brain, but then also in our heart, giving us peace when we make the Word a priority. Um, it's an ancient book that has great relevance today. Amen, amen. If you just tuned in, my guest is Jamie Fish. He is the Minister of Biblical Counseling at Bellevue Baptist Church. And 
he does a great job, talks to a lot of people, always does a great job for us, helping us kind of understand and gives us direction for what we're doing. Jamie, I'm interested in hearing what you're telling people about this idea. We're still doing some social distancing. I had a meeting last night that used to be a meeting we met once a month. It was every Tuesday night, and it's been over and over and over years. And, uh, you know, for the last 24 months, basically, it's been a virtual meeting. And you can tell the anxiety in the group because we're not able to get together. How are people f- facing that problem? Well, you know, I don't I don't think that there's uh, such a thing as uh, as normal anymore. Um, uh, for for us, you know, uh, I have 14 counselors. We've got several that are paid, several that are volunteers, several that are part-time, and we get together in the morning, like you, virtually at this point, and we pray together. Mm-hmm. We pray for each other and, again, kind of center ourselves, remind ourselves that God is in control, and um, and then kind of get ourselves prepared, pray for the people that we're going to talk to, and, and that God would equip us to, to lead them uh, directly. And and I think that, you know, the byproduct of that is just a, a incomprehensible peace that God promises. Uh, he gives us peace knowing that He's there, that He's guiding us, that He's in control. Uh, sometimes it doesn't seem like it is. I have to remind myself of it, but He is in control. In control. There's a verse, Philippians chapter 4. You just said it, an uncontrollable, an unbelievable peace. He says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, I tell you, that is so powerful you talked about that. When we come back, Jamie, I want to ask you the question about family relationships, how to keep them strong, and how to spend time together. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Securian Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Jamie Fish or Bellevue Baptist Church. The views and opinions expressed are those of Jamie Fish only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. My guest is Jamie Fish, Minister of Biblical Counseling at Bellevue Baptist Church. We're talking about stress and emotions and how to process that all with the pandemic and just what's going on in our country and our world today. It seems to be such a a lot of turmoil and just a lot of anxiety, a lot of problems in the family. But Jamie, you talked about this family relationships. How do we keep family relationships strong when we're just not able to spend as much time together? I mean, those are big issues for a lot of people. Yeah, well, I think we have to be creative and and proactive and setting times and and doing things. And, um, you know, we traveled this summer, we saw a lot of families uh, in Utah, of all places, uh, you know, just doing things together that they probably wouldn't have done before. So I think that there's opportunities, and we have to be creative, but I think that there are things like that. And then I think, you know, engaging in conversations, listening to one another, making sure that, um, you know, we're, we are talking about the things that are going on, and, and then, uh, you know, one of the challenges that we've had is we've had families that have uh, just been interrupted because they disagree with the political or the the medical advice that's being passed out. And I think the bigger thing there is just humility and listening 
and uh, not trying to, well, not allowing points that that have been presented to us to cause division in the family, but just to come together and try to have peace between between us and the conversations. You know, Jamie, I know you've said this. You said it earlier this morning, and the thing about it is remembering who is in control, and that is sometimes difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, we've got to remind each other of that, and um, this is something that even this morning, you know, talking with my wife and praying with her, we were reminding ourselves uh, we're in the process of, of getting ready to build a house, and, you know, call me crazy. It's a crazy time to build a house, but... Um, we're trusting the Lord in all of this, and, and our relationship with Him is what's going to keep things at uh, at a peaceful place between us. Um, so, you know, I think that He's going to be instrumental and crucial in in quality family time, uh, positive interactions, healthy, uh, appropriate uh, uh, decisions that families make, and uh, and. He's, he wants to be the center. You know, I found that many people, most of us, really don't trust God fully until we are in a place where we have to. And, you know, the uncertainty of everything that's going on has brought us to a place where maybe we have to trust God even more than we ever had before. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Wow, so, so powerful and so important. Uh, my last question to you, Jamie, because I know people, a lot of people, even though, as you say, trusting God, a lot of people are saying, why hasn't God done something? Why hasn't God just eradicated the pandemic? How do you answer that question? Yeah, I had a man talk to me uh, just this last Sunday about that. You know, really, at the core of this, it's an age-old question. You know, why does a good and loving God allow evil in the world? And I think this is a good start to a question, but I think a better question would be, why is there evil at all? And the Bible tells us that, that evil is a result of sin, the violation of God's laws, and then the consequences that come from that. And I can remember after 9-11 having many conversations with people. Um, you know, they were wanting to know, why would God allow this? And I think it fits into an, that narrative that I kind of mentioned, that God uses a lot of different things to get our attention and to cause us to think about Him, to evaluate how we're relating to Him, uh, to see if we're on the right track, and then to answer the question again, do you trust me? Mm. And I find myself having to answer that question every day. Do I trust God, even in this? Let's face it, um, you know, we've been a blessed people, and uh, and we act like God owes us an explanation. But, you know, in John 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And I look at that as two columns, steal, kill, and destroy in one column, and abundant life in the other column. And so I know when I see negative things like a pandemic, I can see Satan's fingerprints all over that, and amazingly, God is still in control. He has answers for all these things, and um, and the summation of of everything is is found in His Word. Oh wow! That's to be as a church in Book of Revelation, <laughs> and so we know how it all ends. We know how we know the end of the story exactly right. I love the scripture: "You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you." because he trusts in you, Isaiah 29, 26.3. Wow, Jamie, you've really helped us out, man. I tell you, I think so many people need to just pay attention 
and literally trusting in the Lord, knowing that he is in control. We can read the end of the book. It's in Revelation. So thank you, sir. Jamie Fish, he is the pastoral counselor minister of biblical counseling at Bellevue Baptist Church. If you'd like to give him a call, you can do that at 347-5832. 347-5832. Thank you, Jamie. You want to have a wonderful day, sir. All right, Jim. Thank you. God bless you all. All right, man. Dear friend, and always does a wonderful job. Coming up, though, I have two guys that are brilliant, smart. I mean, they are off the charts, and they're going to help us understand some things about the fundamentals of investing and really how do we go about managing the managers. So Scott Jordan from Shoemaker Financial and Drew Johnson from Shoemaker Financial. Guys, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here, Jim. All right, Scott, you are a frequent guest of ours and you always bring a lot to the table. The question today, it there's so much volatility in the market. So many people are concerned. The reality is, what do you tell them when all of the news is nothing but bad, negative, I mean, you can't ignore it. It's just there. What do you say to those people? Because we have a lot of questions that are what in the world is going on. We do. We do. And, Jim, you and I know. Um, and, by the way, thanks for putting me after Jamie. That was a great topic. That was a great topic. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to follow you that. Yeah. But, but let's, let's talk about money. But <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Anyway, now, one of the things that I heard him say a lot was uncertainty. And that's what you see around right now, whether it's fear of inflation, fear of what's going to happen between Russia and Ukraine, and that can tend to cause investors that anxiety and, and which can ultimately lead to panic if it runs its course. And that, you know, we talk about this all the time. Emotions are the enemy of any good investment strategy, and that is, is one thing that investors are susceptible to is, is giving into that fear and making bad investment mistakes. So what? Let's talk about that. What when you say making a bad investment mistake? We had someone recently we were talking to, and this kind of this question came out of that comment. They, you know, they they're wanting to trust, but they're they they listen to the news. All of us listen to the news. It's hard to get, avoid. Yeah. So how do you? What do you say to the people first and foremost? not to do that. How do you tell them that? Well, one of the things that we see is this kind of this herd behavior or this following the herd. People tend to run together. You know, one of the things that people fear the most is either falling behind their peers or their peers making a great decision and they didn't go along with it. And now they look like the one standing out there holding the bag. So it's, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to that fear. Either I I fear I'm going to miss out on returns. You know, when the market's doing well, we see this kind of herd behavior where everybody runs in the same direction. You know, whether it's tech stocks in the late 90s or, or real estate leading up to the uh, 08, 09 crisis. And that, that herd te- tends to gather a lot of steam right before the end or right before it goes off. Is that like somebody saying, well, I'm going to go buy a dishwasher or something and, you know, everybody gets behind it. Oh, that's what I need, too. Or that's or maybe they're going to go buy. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just it's just that common nature of uh, – I want to do what everybody else is doing. Don't leave me out. I think it's that similar mentality. I think, you know, there's a lot more at stake with a decision <laughs> a to buy, buy a dishwasher I, or a I washing couldn't machine think of than, anything else, guys. Then I'm investing Can for my future lifestyle. Can you tell what's broken lifestyle. at my house right now? <laughs> right. You are talking right. to the dishwasher. <laughs> right. But I, I think, you know, when, when it comes to investing, again, we're, we're talking about something that needs to be based on a strategy, needs to be based on a long-term strategy, goal focus, focus. What are we trying to accomplish? Why are we doing this? Staying focused 
focused on those goals, and, and that, that needs to be tethered or anchored to a well-crafted financial plan so that you really understand what you're trying to accomplish, and that can help avoid getting caught up in some of that herd mentality. I understand that, and that's such a, a problem. So are you saying here be careful not to respond to news reports? Or you Absolutely. Turn it off. <laughs> Don't pay attention. No, and, and like you said, it's hard to. In this 24-hour cycle, phone-carrying, beeping, alerts coming up constantly, <laughs> it's hard to avoid all the, all the fear out there. But, yeah, that cannot creep into – it's, you cannot let that creep into your long-term investment strategy. And you talk about alerts. I got seven alerts this morning, all of them market-related. Of course, you're not yeah. because I do. A, you know, we look at a lot of that. Right. But if you, if I was trying to ignore it today, it's impossible. <laughs> it's very hard. And that's very what hard. a lot of people. And plus the comments. So you're talking about being disciplined. Right. Thinking long-term. Long-term. Yeah. And and again, we we can. We can decide why we're investing, whether that's financial independence, we want, we have a lifestyle desire, a future family need like educating a child or taking care of an ed, aging parent. Those are things that can be thought through, quantified, decide, okay, what do we need to do with our cash flows in order to accomplish this, and, and then create an investment strategy An to investment you to get strategy. returns. That makes a lot of sense. When we come back, I want you to talk about the emotions, because that's really what happens to a lot of people, and Drew's going to help us understand how do we manage managers. All of this ties together into helping us get through this, I guess you'd say, hectic, trying, emotional time. Uh, whether it's the pandemic or whether it's the market that's creating the stress, it's all there. So you don't want to step away. Stay with us because when we come back, we're going to dive in. What's the problem with emotions when it comes to investing? My guest, Drew Johnson, Scott Jordan, we're talking about money. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. I want to remind you that you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast. And, of course, we'd like for you to leave us a review. We'd be much appreciated. My guest is Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson. We're talking about sometimes you look at it from the fundamentals of investing, but I call it more like the emotional side of investing because we all get caught up in the emotional side. And we're going to ask Drew Johnson in a few minutes to help us understand what we do when we talk about managing the managers. But right now, Drew, we're coming to you in a second, but don't you leave, don't you go far. But Scott, when we think about this emotional side, I mean, whether we are talking about the media, but it, it just whether we like it or not, media is somewhat driving this emotional side of investing. And you and I both know you really can't be a professional and let your emotions get involved. 
No, I mean, uh, and, you know, we say it over and over again, emotions are the enemy of any good investment strategy. We talked, you know, before the break, we were talking about that fear of missing out, that kind of herd of jumping in when the market's doing really well. The flip side of that is that fear of loss or that emotion that kicks in when the market's not doing so well. We've all seen it. We've seen investors who, who jump in and buy when the market's doing really well and then turn around and sell out when the market's doing bad, the opposite of what they should be doing. And that's just letting those emotions drive that investment strategy, which is never a good philosophy. But you talk about good going up, yep. bad going down, but that's volatility. That's volatility. Very normal part of the investment cycle. You know, we spend a lot of time with our clients trying to educate them on that. That is what you get paid for for investing in the market is riding through those volatile times. Uh, both not getting caught up and not getting caught up too much in the good times and not getting fearful and panic in the bad times. So that's what the market rewards you for is that long term patient investment strategy. So put the volatility out of your mind. You said earlier, turn the television turn off. Turn the television off. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, that's and hard to do. We say we say this a lot. Put volatility out of your mind. That's almost impossible to do <laughs> yeah. as an investor. You know, it's very difficult when, again, when you have all these messages coming at you, kind of driving that fear to just put that out of your mind. But having that discipline strategy, having thought through why you're doing it, having that plan in place is the key to being able to weather those tough times. When you talk about the strategy, I know you're talking, you know, underneath that, there's mm-hmm. a lot of layers to just, you know, you don't just say strategy and it just happens. Right. There's a lot of layers underneath the strategy. What about time horizons? Because I know that is a, definitely a part of every strategy because all, everybody's thinking differently. So help people understand time horizons. Well, there's different kind of investments that make up in a, a portfolio. But, you know, when we're when we're counseling somebody on investment and they come to us, and, and believe it or not, we get this a lot. I, I had it just recently where somebody said, I may need this money in a, in a year or so, but I, I've not earned anything on it in the bank, so I want to put it in the market. And we're like... No, nope. that's not a good idea. Not Again, your time horizon is an important uh, factor when you're considering how you're going to invest money. Anything that's in the stock market, mostly in equities, where you're investing in the great companies of the world, that needs to be from a longer-term mentality. Now, when you get into more of those kind of middle-of-the-road goals, those you know five-, seven-year goals, that can you can start to add in maybe some bond investments and things like that. And then those short-term goals – those really need to be kept pretty liquid, you know, whether it's uh, very short-term bonds or maybe money market accounts and things of that nature that are really designed to be short-term in nature. So all that's a factor when you're trying to decide, okay, how am I going to invest this money? Because again, let's say it was, uh, you know, you're, you're going into 2020 and, and you're going to need that money in March and all of a sudden we have COVID hit and now your investment strategy has been kind of received a gut punch well, from the same from the thing. You, yeah, from you talking about in March, but that could have happened if you'd invested in December of last year or Absolutely. June of last year, Absolutely. and it hasn't had a chance to really have a long-term history. And all right. of a sudden, you got the month of January all the way up through this now, and now it's down. And you're thinking, "Oh my goodness, my portfolio's down. If I'd have put it in a tin can in the backyard, it would still be worth what I invested." Yeah. But you have to be willing to. 
you stick ha- the course. You have to be willing to stay the course, and you have to have that long-term mentality. And listen, in this day and age, that is getting harder and harder oh. for people to do. People, you know, there's a cultural perspective of investing that's this kind of get-rich-quick mentality. The market always goes up. I'm going to be able to pick the winners. And, and we've seen that kind of escalate a lot recently. Now, when we get these volatile times, people get humbled a little bit and go, okay, it's not so always up. It's not always going to go on a straight trajectory. But historically, you know, investments have done well over the long term, and it's just staying the course, being patient, and, and sticking with that strategy that leads to success. You say a lot to, I hear you all the time talk about suitable diversification yes. and understanding the, the need and the purpose of rebalancing. Well, everybody has a certain pain threshold or a certain tolerance for how much of that volatility they can tolerate and still remain a long-term investor. And that is one of the things that we spend a lot of time with people trying to help them uncover, okay, how much can I tolerate? Because yes, long-term, some of the riskier, more volatile investments will lead a lot of times to better outcomes over the long term if it's a well-diversified portfolio. But if you as an individual investor can't tolerate those swings and you're going to tend to panic and want to get out when we have those inevitable times when the market is down. Uh, one of the economists I follow, uh, Ed Yardini, he's calculated since the since the bull market started back at the end of 08 and 09, there have been 73 panics. So you can expect them. <laughs> They're going to happen. So you need to know what your pain threshold is so that you can remain a long-term investor. I like that pain times. threshold. I call it my sleep factor. Sleep factor. Very good way to <laughs> Uh, Can I sleep through the night and not worry about it? That's critical. Well, you've talked about some very important things. Following the herd. Don't get caught up in what your next-door neighbor's doing. Making sure that you're leaving your emotions outside of your investment portfolio, which is not easy. Turn the TV off, which is difficult (laughs) to do. I understand that. Those are critical. And then you really kind of laid this whole idea behind you know, the the type of strategy to develop, knowing your time horizon, but suitable diversification and then rebalance on a timely basis. Now, I'm going to kind of turn the page here because I really think you've laid out some things to help us understand the fundamentals of investing. But I'm going to ask if Drew would step into the mic and say, Drew, here we are now. What about portfolio management, picking the right investments? That's not easy to do for a lot of people. I know you talk about forget the picking the investments, pick the managers. Talk about that. Right. I mean, having professional managers handle your portfolio and handling the decisions of what we're going to buy and what we're going to sell, that's a good way to help keep some of the emotion that Scott was talking about out of kind of the the herd mentality that a lot of investors fall into when there's a lot of hype around something or when there's uh, panic, as as he put it. And so when we're looking at portfolio management, we're looking at the what and the how. The what would be things like the performance of the portfolio, the risk, the cost, but then also the how. We want to know how they're going about actually managing the, the money. What is their investment philosophy? How much experience do those managers have? Where did they get that experience? Where were they educated? Uh, how much support are they getting from, from analysts and from associate managers? Uh, what's going to happen if that manager gets COVID? We talked about COVID. Or, or, <laughs> or what happens if that manager dies in a plane crash? Or what happens if he just decides I've had enough and I'm, I'm ready to retire? What, who then comes in and takes over? And is that new management going to be managing it the way that that client has always expected? 
uh, during the time they've been with that fund. Uh, and then we want to look at, well, has the fund had a lot of turnover in the past? So all of those things, like if you're going to buy any, any product or service and an investment is a product or a service like any other, you want to know if I go out and buy and I buy this car and it breaks down, is there a place I can go take it to fix it? Are there people who can help me take care of this car? Investing is the same way. And that's what the questions we look at when I'm managing the managers. You know, the, the key that what you're saying is uh, what I heard and see if I can summarize. You, I mean, that was a lot of information. The who, what, why, where, how many of those. It's about the consistency in the management group, the team that's managing the portfolio. Is that really what you're saying? You want people that, that know exactly what they're doing and that do it day in, day out, all the time, that eat, sleep, and breathe. That's that area of the market. That's wow. what you want. That's critical. You know, when you know that you can trust that management team. So what I want to do when we come back, we're going to take a short break here, but when we come back, I want you to kind of guide us through, I mean, how difficult is it to put all that information together? You do it every day. You're in charge of the investment committee at the firm. Drew, you do a fabulous job. Scott and I kind of stand around and, and listen and and, and listen and, and listen. <laughs> what else do we do, Scott? I mean, listen. Well, we help make decisions. <laughs> we do help know, make we, decisions. We do rely on Drew a but lot. Drew does a fabulous up. job because you just threw out a ton of information when you talk about picking an investment manager. How do you go about it? Well, that's what you're going to help us to understand. Managing the manager is such a critical part of anybody's portfolio. It helps you manage the emotions. It helps you look at your long-term horizon, short-term, knowing your strategy. Stay with us. We're going to come back with a lot more great information. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guests are Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson. We're talking about fundamentals of investing Kind of knowing some things not to do, whether it's your emotions and managing your emotions, following the herd, knowing how to put together a long-term strategy, or if it's your short-term horizon, knowing what that looks like in your portfolio. But then most of all, how do you go about picking the particular investment portfolio as you put it together? Well, Drew has laid in on that, and he has given us some great insight to managing the managers. And he left us before the break saying, "It's con- you know, how do you know about the consistency of the management team? Do they s- tend to stick to one recognizable strategy, or do they change strategies all the time? And believe me, that can be devastating to your portfolio. You want somebody who stays the course, that knows what they're doing. So, Drew, I guess here's my question. How do you keep all that amount of information that you, as the in charge of the investment group at the office, how do you keep all that information current on a money manager? Well, it's very time consuming. If you're looking at, at the what of it, if you're looking at the performance and the risk and so forth, there are certain uh, metrics that you can look at and keep track of that'll help you on, on that side. Uh, but then a lot of the rest of it, though, the more subjective part is really digging in and, and reading what the what the different uh, portfolio managers are producing and really having a good relationship with them. If you're looking at at the history of, of the management of a firm, you're basically going to get a list of, of people and what years they were active and where they 
went to school and all that, but you're not really going to know the story of what happened while they were there. And that, that's where really having a good relationship with a uh, with an investment company really comes into play, knowing the story of the management and how they how they made the decisions they did as far as who's actually managing uh, that fund and why. And that takes a lot of time. I think what you do extremely well, and I think we've all had to do this, guys, and fire a manager. I mean, somebody who we've worked with for years, and we just have to dive in, as you say, putting all that data together and then making a decision that that manager no longer fits our particular portfolio base. I mean, we only are looking at probably 50, 60, somehow like that, 70 managers. That, that's about right. That's, yeah, that, that's in, it's in that range. And, and it, it does involve digging into some of the fine print and knowing, okay, if I'm, if I'm measuring, because like, managers have to be held accountable. And so if they're being held accountable by an index or if they're being held accountable by an income goal, whatever it is, you want to hold them accountable. And so uh, sometimes those goals are very clear and transparent, and sometimes they can be more complicated. It just depends on what they're trying to do with that fund. But you have to know what those are. And if you start seeing them change those goals, that can be a red flag. I mean, we have fired managers not because the performance was bad or because there was an issue with the, the manager. Nobody did anything wrong, but we have fired a ma- you know, we have fired managers before because they, they, they changed the goals of the fund. They changed how they were being held accountable. And they didn't fit into a client or our clients' portfolios. So I, that makes a lot of sense on how we do that. Not always easy to do, especially if you've got a long relationship. You mentioned the fact that we do actually have conversations with the managers, talk to them, and we have a third-party group that also helps us divide, decide and divide up the, the, da- you know, the data so we know what we're doing from that standpoint. But let me ask you this. Uh, what's the greatest benefit when you talk about this? This is multiple levels of oversight. You're not just... You're not just reading something from one little printout. You are looking, you're turning and getting, you're turning over rocks and looking underneath the rock, a lot of rocks. So why is it so important? Well, it, it, it's important because having these different levels of oversight really makes it possible for a smaller investor who doesn't have a, you know, a ton of capital the way a, a wealthier investor might to, to have access to the market and to have access to the same quality of investment and the same uh, expectations for outcomes that, that a wealthier investor might or someone who is better off. This, is, this makes investing for the small investor possible. That makes a lot of sense. You, what you're saying, and let me see if I can, if I understand it, you're doing the due diligence for an investment portfolio. You're going through the process, and as a result of that, every firm, every client of the firm gets the benefit of your expertise because we're diving into the the managers, and everybody benefits from your knowledge and the investment group's knowledge and then the third parties now i mean we got a layer after layer after layer of a lot of people looking right it, it's it's the the benefit of having division of labor as opposed to a kind of do it yourselfer mentality and there's nothing wrong with the do it yourselfers but but not everybody can be a do it yourselfer i think one of the things that i've heard you say and and i think it's important and, and scott you've said this too is the term fiduciary Let's let's make sure that people we when we use that term person being working with a fiduciary, give me kind of your layout. What does that mean to you, Drew? A a fiduciary is is any it's a person that's in a position of trust, which is where the word you know, fiduciary comes from, Latin fides, trust or faith, and it's a person in a position of heightened trust um, who is 
legal or is morally required to act in a client's best interest. It can be an attorney, uh, it can be a financial advisor, it can be a, a trustee of a, of a, of a will or, or an estate, but that person has to act in the client's best interest, not in their employer's best interest, and certainly not in their own best interest. Scott, does that, in your book, does that, is everybody a fiduciary in our business? I mean, I've heard suitability and fiduciary. What's the difference? Well, I, I think Drew did a great job of defining that. You know, somebody who agrees to operate under that fiduciary standard, and that's just a fancy word for being legally bound to act in the client's best interest, uh, is different than some people in the industry who operate under a suitability standard. Now, there's been a lot of regulation around that with, uh, with some new regulations that have tried to kind of level the playing field. But in general, a fiduciary has taken on that responsibility legally to act in the best interests at all times. There are people who operate under a suitability standard, and they are they are required to to recommend things that are in the client's best interest at the time it's recommended, but not necessarily you know carry that relationship out going forward. You're saying at all times when yes. you say the fiduciary, yes. so that fiduciary responsibility doesn't go away at the no, point doesn't. of where you where the client hires you. You're a fiduciary for that moment. You're saying it's forever. I mean, it just goes on and on right, and on. Right. And, and I want to say that you know there there are great people who's who operate under both of those standards. There's not. I I don't want to indicate that you know you're. It's not moral if you operate over right, one or the exactly. other. People operate great under both of those standards. But a fiduciary does legally require somebody to take on that responsibility for a lot lot more of the client's best interest. If we were trying to choose, you know, people ask us all the time, what questions should we be asking about looking for an advisor? Well, those are legitimate questions, and one of them you're saying here, basically, is what standard do you work under? Fiduciary right. or civility? I think, I think that's, that's important to know. That's very that's important. important. What is something else? What about investment philosophy? I think that's critical. You know, whether whether you call it investment philosophy, what is what is their worldview? You want to you want to make sure that you and the person you're hiring to manage your money or give you guidance around that shares your same philosophy about investing and kind of that philosophy around the world. Worldview. What what are you operating under? What are you trying to accomplish? How do you accomplish that? Drew did a good job of explaining a little bit about how we do it as a firm, but you need to know that. I mean, we met with somebody uh, just yesterday who we we had to have several meetings to really take our time because they're not a, not necessarily a sophisticated investor and. They wanted to understand what we were doing a little better. And especially when we see times like we're seeing now, volatility, they want to know, hey, am I okay? Am I going to be all right? That's the emotion and so side. so taking that time to really sit down and explain our philosophy, explain what they were doing. And, you know, we left the meeting with everybody really understanding and and I think she even used the word blessing. Uh, so, ah. that, so, you know, it's, um, it's, it's just a matter of really understanding and making sure you're in alignment with the person that's going to be managing your money. Well, you know, you talk about that. We're picking investment managers. And, Drew, you're a part of the big team that we work with. What do you say when you look at somebody who's selecting an advisor about their team? Well, you would want to do the same kind of, of process that you would when you're picking an investment manager as you would when you're picking uh, an investment advisor that, that's working with you. It's the same set of questions as about you know who, who works with you, how long have they worked with you, what experience do they have, um, well, do you have a good succession plan, do you have good back office? 
office support? Do they have good support? You know, those are all things that you that you want to know. That you are part of a team, and that uh, you are being supported, and that the work is going to go on regardless of what happens to you personally. That's you actually said that, and you looked at and said pretty much that would be what you're looking for from an investment manager if we're going to hire a manager. But you're also saying to the client, the listing audience, and saying, how do I go about finding an advisor? It's almost the same question. It's basically the same, same set of questions. That's uh, critical, I think. You know, when you think about it, Scott, who's on the team? You and I work a lot together. People know that. And uh, you've got a lot of experience. Most of us, both of us are certified financial planners. The reality is, I mean, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, people know immediately who they're going to be working with, you and Jeremy. And, that, and, I, and I think that's what you're talking about, the continuity, because people have entrusted us with that money. We've entrusted money to a, an advisor, a manager, and we expect them to do a good job for our clients. And they're actually saying to us they want a good job from us. Absolutely. That, that's Boy, I kind of closed that out, didn't I? Man? <laughs> that's better than I normally would have thought. So summarize for us, Drew, when we're looking for a manager, what do you want people to know? Uh, we want we want to know that they are uh, consistent, and we want to know that they're part of a team. We want to know that they're being supported, uh, and that the work that they do is is what we hired them to do, and that it's going to continue to go on, regardless of who's actually filling the chairs. In thirty seconds, Scott. I think the key word is trust. You want to work with somebody you can trust, and that comes from competence and credibility. You know what what is their experience? Do they have any credentials? Um, and, and do you feel good when you're with them? Do you trust them? Do you trust the advice that they're giving you? And I think, you know, that takes time to build with people, but I think that's the key to any good relationship is that trust factor. That is fantastic advice. I want to thank my guest, of course, Jamie Fish, earlier from Bellevue Baptist Church. He's the minister from biblical counseling, Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson. Also, if you'd like to talk to Scott, Drew, or Jamie, Jamie, you can reach him at 347-5832. And Scott and Drew, you can call them at 757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. That would be most appreciated. Next week, I have these two guys will be back with us. We're going to talk about misconceptions about bonds and a portfolio construction in this economic environment. Also, Dane Williams will be talking about, is your home insured? Your home's going up in value. Is it insured for the correct amount? That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. I want to thank you so much for listening and just remind you, if you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 